This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Hi, I'm Anif Baharuddin and this is Gigi Wellplayed, BFM's video game show. We'll be rounding up some of the biggest news and releases from the last month of the year, December, with Jonathan Leo from kakuchopore.com. We're going to start with John's reaction to the Game Awards 2022. were approached by TGV to you know distribute a bunch of tickets and also help out in terms of like publicity and whatnot and we managed to get a big crowd lah about like 50 plus coming down for the show just to tune in for that morning just to watch the Game Awards 2022 so thank you so much to all our VIPs invited guests and uh, people who actually bought tickets to come down and watch the show on IMAX in IMAX not 3D lah but IMAX generally so Nice big screen, nice big location, nice bunch of seats to be in and, you know, have a group thing going on, cheering and, you know, talking about what's going on screen. So it's pretty cool. Uh, I appreciate it. Thank you so much, everybody. Awesome. Uh, let's talk about the Game Awards uh, itself. Um, I, I, we we already spoken about it um, last week, uh, but I think it's worth talking to you as well about it. Um, so let's talk about uh, the winners and also some of the announcements made. Uh, first up, I think Game of the Year, Elden Ring. Were you surprised by it? Uh, not really. I don't think anybody was surprised given how much praise the game has received from its February release all the way till now. What is very surprising is they actually let the voice actor for God of War Ragnarok, Christopher Judge, to speak for more than, I think, three, four minutes for his victory acceptance speech. I'm very surprised that Jeff Keighley did not kick him away because, you know, these sort of things have to be kept on time and cannot run off and whatnot for broadcasting reasons. But it is what it is. It's a nice speech, but at the same time, he's there for quite a while. Also, props to Al Pacino for actually showing up and doing his thing where he believes he's surprised to be in a video game presentation thing just to present the best performance. So it's interesting. I'll say that. I'll say that. God of War also won a lot of awards. I guess the biggest one would be like, I guess, best action game and also best soundtrack, which I felt was a bit undeserving because there are other titles like Xenoblade Chronicles 3, which deserve that award. But what's done is done. Genshin Impact won player's voice, which is a close call with Sonic Frontiers. Given the fact that both games are neck and neck with each other in terms of voting and people, you know, Sonic fans actually coming up to vote for their favorite Sonic game. Stray, the indie game from... Sorry, I'm going to start again. Stray, an indie game where you control a cat, won Independent and Debut Indie Game Award. I believe that's two awards. Beating out games like Norco and Cult of the Lamb and so forth. I believe other guests... I mean, I guess we can talk about the other stars who popped up. Like, Oh, no, no, wait. We also should talk about Best Adaptation. Arcane League of Legends, a show that came out in 2021, won Best Adaptation in the Game Awards 2022, which I felt was also a bit odd and undeserving considering that the better show, Cyberpunk Edge Runners, came out this year. So I don't know what the cut... I think that's because of the cut-off dates. Lah. Anything that's within the December 2021 timeframe is included in the 2022 awards show. But that's sort of like cheating in a sense. Lah. Uh, we should also talk about the other special guests. Uh, apart from Al Pacino, we've got Pedro Pascal and Bella Ramsey, who are going to be in The Last of Us HBO series adaptation. You've got Ken and Roberta Williams, who were Sierra veterans who made games like King's Quest, the entire series. 
and Joseph Ferris, who was the winner of last year, year's Game Awards for It Takes Two. He actually presented the Best Game Awards, so, you know, good for him for not swearing and whatnot. <laughs> Yeah, um, okay, so um, we have the winners and we have the I guess, celebrities who showed up. Uh, what about the trailers? I mean, that's another thing that people uh, look forward to when it comes to the Game Awards, right? Yeah. Oh, the trailers and the new announcements, those actually not, did not disappoint. There were actually a couple of titles I'm actually looking forward to. So some key highlights include Judas, which is a game that's been created by Ken Levine's new studio, Ghost Games. You know, the creator of Bioshock and Bioshock Infinite. Hades 2, the sequel to the roguelike title from Supergiant, which has earned a lot of applause and acclaim for its characters, story, and gameplay. And let's see what else we got. We got Replaced, which is a 2023 2D adventure pixel action title. I believe you play a replicant of sorts in a very dystopian sci-fi kind of universe. The story is still unknown, but it looks very intriguing and very attractive. We've got Crash Team Rumble, which is an upcoming Crash Bandicoot game featuring the cast members from Crash Bandicoot fighting in each other in like a 4v4 kind of battle royale thing. And we got a new Hellboy game. It's a 3D action title which has cell shading, the same art style as the comic creator himself, Mike Minola. And I believe the perspective is like your God of War and your Arkham Asylum titles where it's like, you know, the half-body third-person perspective. It looks promising, but again, I'll just wait until actual gameplay comes out. And Returnal and The Last of Us Part 1 will be coming out for PC in the first half of 2023. That's the pretty big news. I guess uh, one thing I should add is existing games like Street Fighter 6, Diablo 4, and Final Fantasy 16 have release dates for now. So Street Fighter 6 is coming out on 2nd June, Diablo 4 is coming out on the 4th of June, and Final Fantasy 16 is coming out on the 22nd of June all on the same month with two of the earlier games I guess they're coming one week after the other and they're very close I mean they're different genres so it's fine I mean the Street Fighter people are not going to dip into Diablo so much they'd rather just care about Street Fighter and vice versa for the action RPG fans yeah but but we're going to have like three big games uh, to look forward to in, in, in June next year right in one big month so June yeah. is a big month for video games but at the same time I suspect that at least Final Fantasy 16 might face a delay. This is more like a prediction because I'm thinking of what happened in Final Fantasy 15 where they had a big event announcing it on September and then they got pushed back to November because of technical reasons. And I'm going to stop there. Lah. So <laughs> I think Final Fantasy 16 might have that same issue, maybe. But if it comes out in June, that's great. I'm proven wrong. That's awesome. But I suspect it will be delayed for two months, probably September, October. It'll, I think it's more appropriate for a game of this scale and magnitude to come out on a during a holiday quarter to maximize sales because no game is smart. And I don't think publishers are silly enough to release the games whenever Final Fantasy 16 comes out because that brand is prestigious to a fault. I mean, there was also a release date for Star Wars Jedi Survivor and also um, a bunch of DLCs were announced for existing games, right? Including Cyberpunk 2077 featuring Idris Elba. Oh, yes, yes. That's pretty cool. That trailer looked pretty awesome. They're bringing back Keanu Reeves and they're bringing in a new character played by Idris Elba. I believe he's an agent. That DLC looks pretty interesting. I Because I would like to go back to Cyberpunk 2077 considering that the Studio Trigger anime actually brought that to relevance all over again, which is awesome. 
And what was the other game we talked about? You brought up, sorry? Um, Star Wars Jedi Survivor. And also, uh, I think... Jedi Survivor yeah. is pretty cool. Um, that would be very promising considering that a lot of people loved the first Respawn game. Mm. So it's no surprise that Jedi Survivor is following up from that. It'll be interesting if they bring back characters from the expanded Star Wars universe, like maybe the Mandalorian or Boba Fett or some of the smaller characters popping up during this timeline. It could be interesting. Who knows? Yeah. Um, there's also um, Hades 2. Uh, it was announced together with Death Stranding 2. Uh, what, do, what do you think of you know, the announcement for both these games? Oh yes, Hades 2. I'm very excited considering that I love the first game. And the action itself, I mean, it, you're controlling a new character. I believe the god, the titan of Greek mythology, Kronos, is involved. I think it might be some sort of time manipulation kind of story, which is why you don't see Zagreus in the trailer. Probably that's like a little surprise. And then we see Hades being chained up in the end of the trailer. And I see, I see gameplay. I see a lot of cool things there. You got the action roguelike, new characters. I believe you also are going to be talking with Apollo quite a bit too. So who knows? It'll be interesting to see the new princess of the underworld take up reins and, you know, being another cool action RPG roguelike title where you die a lot and you uncover a lot of the story and go from there. And, you know, see a nice little twist on Greek mythology, which is pretty cool. Death Stranding mm-hmm. 2 was announced and they actually showcased the return of Sam Bridges and Fragile, played by, I hope I don't, I hope I don't get the names wrong, um, Norman Reedus and Leah Sido. Mm. I could be wrong with her name. But anyway, those two <laughs> characters return. I believe they're together and they're protecting new the, the new pot babies. Troy Baker's character, I forgot his name. He's the bad guy in the first game. Somehow returns for some reason. And we're in the same world. I believe it's a bit more fixed up, but you still got, you know, black all that black goo popping up all over again. And <laughs> you, you never know about this kind of, what the story for this game will be, but we'll see how it goes because... You can say that Hideo Kojima's titles are crazy, but you can never say that they're boring because they're not boring, that's for sure. <laughs> Maybe um, the way you play it might be, but not so much the threads that he create and weave around. And plus, I kind of grew to like the PC version of Death Stranding, so... Maybe the second one will fix some of the problems from the first game, make more... Like, maybe he have a bit more action going on. Who knows? Because I like to throw grenades made out of urine <laughs> in the game. <laughs> All right, before we move on to uh, other news, um, your, I guess, final thoughts on the Game Awards uh, in terms of the winners and also um, the announcements made? Well, the orchestra was nice. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I can say, dude. <laughs> uh, but generally, i like to say thank you for everyone who attended and were invited and did attend for the IMAX screening in Sunway Pyramid. Thank you so much. We, we're going to have more things happening with TGV in the future, so in 2023, so stay tuned. All right, fantastic. Um, yeah, speaking of Death Stranding, apparently Death Stranding is going to get a movie adaptation. Can you tell me more about this? Yeah, so Kojima Productions is teaming up with Hammerstone Studios to bring Death Stranding to the big screen. So this new movie adaptation will feature new elements and characters in the world of Death Stranding and will be developed under... Uh, of course, Hideo Kojima will be involved. Hammerstone's Alex Leboviki, who produces films... Back in like in Boy in Barbarian and Bill and Ted's Face of Music will be in charge of the production of Death Stranding. So to quote, I couldn't be more excited about this new partnership with Hammerstone Studios. This is a pivotal moment for the franchise, and I'm really looking forward to collaborating with them in bringing Death Stranding to the big screen. Says Hideo Kojima of Kojima Productions. 
Um, Lebovico also said, we are thrilled and honoured to have the opportunity to partner with brilliant and iconic Hideo Kijima on his first film adaptation. Unlike other big-budget tentpole video game adaptations, this will be something far more intimate and grounded. Our goal is to redefine what a video game adaptation could be when you have creative and artistic freedom. This film will be an authentic Hideo Kojima production. So I guess it'll be three hours long, maybe? I, <laughs> I don't know. Or maybe it'll take you longer to make than usual for your regular Yeah, film. I was just about to say that. Uh, and also, oh, but, but, but just to be clear, this is not going to be a, a literal adaptation of the game, right? It's going to be, it's going to set in a different timeline or different universe, I suppose? It oh, says no, new elements yeah. and characters. So I would think, I don't think it's going to use the same story. It'll probably be, it'll be happening. Okay, my prediction is it'll be happening in the same timeline when Sam Bridges is doing his adventure going across America. Maybe we have a different postman. We have a different character. Maybe it'll be a bigger focus on Dead Man or Die Hard Man. Who knows? But it'll be interesting to see how that new story spins off in that same universe in, you know, movie adaptation form. Yeah, considering that they use a lot of uh, real life actors, I mean, like, it'd be interesting to see. I mean, you're just going to cast the same people, but I guess because it's going to be set in a different like, elements, different characters, then we won't see Norman Reedus reprising his role in real life, right? Probably as a cameo, cameo but I would yeah. suggest they would do like a side, like a, a separate movie that happens at the same timeline as the Sam Bridges story. That, that should actually happen. And, you know, bring in characters like Dead Man or Die Hard Man who are, you know, I mean, show more light for the characters who are behind the scenes and whatnot. Or maybe even showcase uh, Sam's mother before she passed away. Like, you know, the life and times before the events of Death Stranding happened. How the pot babies were created, you know, outside of the game's original storyline, you know? Mm. Uh, moving on, um, the new Tomb Raider will be published by Amazon. That is correct. Uh, back in April, Crystal Dynamics said that it was working on a new Tomb Raider title. But... Okay, Embracer Group actually owns the IP and runs Crystal Dynamics, but Amazon Games is going to be publishing this game with help from Embracer. So Amazon Games is actually going to be publishing this new title. So to quote the press release, Amazon Games is committed to bringing players games of the highest quality from the best developers, blah, blah, blah. And we're honored by the opportunity to work with this storied developer and franchise. Our team is incredibly excited about collaborating with the talented and visionary Crystal Dynamics team to bring the ne next chapter of Lara Croft's saga to players around the world. So new Tomb Raider could be like a completely new story because this game has been rebooted twice. No, no, sorry. Three times. Angel of Darkness was a failed reboot. Legends was a successful reboot still kept Lara Croft looking like her PlayStation 1 self, but, you know, with more polygons. And the other reboot from Crystal Dynamics where, you know, Lara, the beginnings of Lara Croft before she became, like, you know, a tough girl. Yeah, I'm not sure that Amazon is, is trustworthy enough in terms of being a publisher. What do you, what do uh, that is true because the last few games they published, I think they closed down Crucible. They have closed down a game called... No, no, they haven't closed down New World, but it got a bit of buzz. But it turns out they actually paid a lot of influencers to stream the game, which is why it peaked at the start and then the numbers for the MMO actually went lower and lower. I guess it's still running, but then again, they did publish uh, Lost Ark, which I actually had fun playing earlier this year. I just didn't have time to commit it, so I can't really say it's the best game ever. But whatever moments I had playing, Lost Ark was kind of fun in the American, US, Europe service. So I guess they got their ups and downs. Lah. So as long as they don't touch the creative side of the, of Tomb Raider, I guess we're fine. Just worry about publishing, getting the servers running if there's a multiplayer mode 
And you know, marketing, that's it. That's all they have to worry about. All right, continuing with Amazon, they seem to be, I guess, expanding their venture into the gaming uh, industry by by publishing um, the new God of War series, right? I think they're going to have a, 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 a TV series for God of War. Yeah, yeah, that's actually quite a surprise. I believe Variety reported on this first. God, the God of War series will be helmed by Rafe Judkins, who worked on Amazon's Wheel of Time. Say that what you will about the show. We'll see. Uh, let's see what happens. Okay, I guess the synopsis for this uh, show is basically based on the plot of the 2018 game when Kratos' wife passed away. They got to bring her ashes to the top of Jotunheim. So it's following that story. And I believe the show will get Hawk Otsby and Mark Fergus, who worked on Children of Men, The Expanse, and Iron Man as the show's writers. So might be interesting. We'll see how that goes. I can't really say much until I see like a trailer or maybe like a few clips here and there and see who they actually cast as Kratos and Atreus. And also the other gods like Odin, Thor, the sons of Thor before they got murdered in the first game and whatnot. All right. Okay. Exciting stuff. Uh, moving on. Let's see. Moving on. I believe Chris Metzen, who was actually one of the ex-Blizzard founders alongside Michael Morheim and Rob Pardo. He is returning to Blizzard for World of Warcraft. So back in the day, I believe he left the company in 2016. After a 23-year career, he is coming back. And what is he going to be doing? Yes, he will be, he'll be joining the Warcraft leadership, leadership team as creative advisor. So according to general manager of the World of Warcraft franchise, John Haidt, he said that Chris's focus initially will be on World of Warcraft, then his work will expand to other projects across the growing franchises. Chris was one of the original team members working on the Warcraft universe back in 1994. And of course, we're happy for him to come back, which is pretty cool. I guess you could say this is one way for Activision Blizzard to do damage control, considering a lot of backlash has been thrown around Blizzard since the... 2018-19 year when, you know, there was a whole Hong Kong issue going on and so forth. But we'll see how it goes. I mean, Chris Madsen just joined, literally joined about, a, I guess, a, a couple of days. This is made official. Who knows how long he'll be there. So hopefully he gets to make everything work out because I would like to see a Warcraft spinoff that isn't the MMO. Probably not going to happen, but fingers crossed. <laughs> Okay, um, last but not least, uh, we have another news involving Yuji Naka. He was arrested again, apparently. What happened here? Uh, yes, yes. So the first time he was arrested, Yuji Naka, the ex-Sonic creator programmer, he was arrested for insider trading for a Square Enix game. This time, he is arrested yet again for insider trading <laughs> for another Square Enix game. This time, it is with the company A-Team who developed the mobile spin-off Final Fantasy VII, The First Soldier, which is going to be closed down, I believe, in January, February next year. So before the collaboration happened, I believe Yuji, uh, it's alleged that Yuji Naka actually put in US $1 million into the company before the deal actually, or the announcement of the First Soldier game actually happened. So for those who are curious, The First Soldier is actually a PUBG knockoff involving Final Fantasy characters. So as you know, Final Fantasy VII actually uses these characters called soldiers who can use swords. They're Shinra's like, first hired guns, basically. So the PUBG method is basically they're dumped in the map and then they got to fight each other. Last man standing is the best soldier. Lah. Hence, The First Soldier. 
So the game didn't do that well. So it's, that's why I said the game was going to close down on February-ish. Uh, I mean, I don't know what else to say. I mean, I just find it quite interesting that, yeah, he... This seems to be caught twice. I mean, he's not proclaimed guilty. He's just arrested. So we'll see how that goes. I mean, you know, court court cases will go on for quite a while. But getting arrested is already like, yeah, maybe you shouldn't. (laughs) You you should have covered your tracks, you know, in that sense. (laughs) Yeah, but... and, And it's the kind of crime that's like... Pretty, I mean, sophisticated, right? You know, white collar crime. Rather it's than the like, kind of yeah. crime you're not supposed to be doing, basically. <laughs> like, insider trading is bad, right? That was Jonathan Leo from Kakuchopore.com looking back at some of the biggest news in the gaming world in December. We're going to make way for some messages. After this, coverage for December releases including Swordship, High on Life, and River City Girls 2. Stay tuned. This is GG Well Played on BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, you're listening to Gigi Well Played. I'm your host, Hanif Baharudin. Jonathan Leo, Content Director at Kakuchopore.com, joins me to round up the biggest news and releases from December. Let's talk about the games that were released this month. I believe we got a couple of titles, correct? Like a couple of indie titles. I think, yeah, we'll just start with Wave Tale. Yes, Wave Tale is a 3D adventure game where you play a secret, a young girl with the power to ride on waves. Ride, surf, control, whatnot. The 3D platformer is filled with puzzles, platforming puzzles, and combat with a unique and calming art style that accompanies it. The game actually first came out on Google Stadia, but because nobody used Google Stadia, so you can (laughs) consider this a brand new game that came out this year. Yeah. So I'm glad it actually found an audience. Um, It's got some good reviews on Steam. If you're looking for a relaxing platformer to spend a few hours with, or at least have a game that you can finish with a single weekend with your kids and whatnot, Wavetail is a very beginner an all-ages kind of game for you and the kids. So because the difficulty is light, it's got simple combat. But I guess the thing that actually draws people to this game is the art style and the story. So if you're into a more casual experience, Wavetail is the game for you. Now, if you want a bit more of a hardcore arcade experience, we've got this game called Swordship. Swordship is a 2D arcade game where you control a water-bound hovercraft, avoiding projectiles and enemies, and also are tasked with collecting cargo for points and power-ups. It's like a reverse shoot-em-up back in the day. So it's like a reverse R-type. So instead of firing at enemies, you actually have to dodge all the bullets. You cannot actually fire your gun. You don't even have a gun. You have to actually move around and dodge and submerge yourself to avoid enemy fire and enemy collision. You can even use... You can even trick enemies into hitting each other and even, like I said, like, you can submerge under the water to avoid certain hazards. Each level is actually end up with a boss. I believe they're like, I believe there are like 10 stages you get to go through, but the game is structured like a roguelite. So if you die and use up all your lives, you have to start all the way at the beginning. But if you collect enough points, you get to unlock a lot of special abilities and power-ups that you can use for your next playthrough or the one after that and whatnot. So you can expect to die quite a bit like a roguelike, but at the same time, it's fun, arcade style Gameplay, if you like really tight controls and fast gameplay and a nice electronica industrial soundtrack, you should check out Short Swordship. Wow, I'm mm. having trouble pronouncing the game too. <laughs> Getting the W's and the H's mixed up. Does it get frustrating? Like, yeah. It's fair, it's fair. Um, all the enemy placements and the random encounters are like random, like what you would expect from a roguelite. But 
you basically learn how to get through. There are certain patterns you'll recognize la, as you keep playing the game. So I guess my only issue is that if you're not into the arcade style of gameplay, you'll just finish it once and that's it. You're on your way. But this game is meant to be played multiple times. So you kind of want to spend like maybe three, four, five hours trying to get the best score or maybe unlocking everything or maybe wait until the boss has all of his final, until the boss is in the final form and then you destroy him or her. It's kind of cool in that sense if you're into the arcade style of gameplay. Mm, all right, and moving on, we also have High on Life. Yes, so this is a PC and Xbox exclusive game. It's a first-person shooter made by Squanch Games. So if that name isn't familiar to you, perhaps you are familiar with the actor who started the company, Justin Roiland. He's actually the voice for Rick and Morty in the TV show, Rick and Morty, and various other animated projects like Solar Opposites. The game is about you, a new bounty hunter who has to save the human race from being used as exotic contraband by an alien drug cartel. Your weapons are actually guns that talk to you and, you know, comment and chide you, like how Rick and Morty would in the show. They're, one of the guns is actually... Oh, crap. I his, his name is called Kevin, and he's voiced by Justin Roiland himself. So imagine Morty's voice, but more confident. <laughs> and you've got, also got other actors and comedians like JB Smoove, he voices a shotgun. Betsy Sodaro, who voices a, I guess, a submachine gun that can stop time with a special skill. And Michael Kuzak is actually voicing a character named Knifey, who is your melee attack, who gets very, very excited when he, you know, gets up close and personal with, with someone with his weapons and whatnot. So the first-person shooter gameplay, the controls and whatnot, is all right. There are a bit of frame dips on the Xbox version, but the PC version should be fine. But the shooting itself is acceptable and kind of alright because I have played worse shooters like, you know, Gungrave <laughs> Core. But the big draw of the game is obviously comedy and the humor of the game with the story and the voiceovers and how characters comment on the moves you do. So let's just say you're trying to point and shoot a very furry, cuddly character and then the game basically guilt strip you for doing that, which is kind of funny in this way. And I understand that, you know, I myself am not really... I mean, I do enjoy most episodes of Rick and Morty but I know some people who aren't really fans of that style of comedy and humor I mean we know humor is subjective but at the same time if you're okay with that sort of humor you'll enjoy High on Life you can probably play it free for GameSpot uh, sorry you can probably play it for free on Xbox Game Pass so and plus the game itself is about 8 to 10 hours it's pretty short so you can take the title on the Sunday scroll stroll of sorts so game should take you at least a day or two to wrap up and enjoy because it's got a pretty funny story if you're into the whole Rick and Morty style of humor if not it's probably a hard pass for you because that's actually the game selling point the humor the comedy and whatnot yeah it does look pretty I guess like vibrant and yeah cool characters and all and like yeah it's good to sometimes you know play a first person shooter that doesn't take itself seriously oh yeah it doesn't take itself seriously which is nice I mean it's again it's that style of humor that, that, that whether you're into or not Oh, and if you are annoyed by how the gun speaks, you can actually tone down the frequency through the options menu. Ooh, that, that's a good option to have, yeah. Yes, yes, because sometimes the guns may speak too much on the default difficult on the default setting, so you can tone it down. So that's that's a good that's a nice option to have. Hmm. Okay. Um. Last but not least, we also have River City Girls too. I believe that is my game of the month. River City Girls 2 is a 2D beat-em-up with gorgeous pixel art and old-school RPG-like gameplay. You play as one of the girls from the title, either Kyoko or Misako, each of their own special moves, as well as their pals Kunio, Riki, 
Provi from River City Ransom Underground, and Marion from the classic Double Dragon series. So the game is like a huge love letter to Technos, Double Dragon, and Kunio-kun. I mean, in fact, there is actually a level that takes place in an office that actually creates Double Dragon and Kunio-kun Super Dodgeball kind of games. I mean, I mean it's, if you love those old-school retro titles back in the 90s and 80s, you'll love the love letter that's being delivered here in River City Goals 2. You can either play solo the game or you can team up with three other players for a co-op experience, offline and online, beating up Yakuza gang members who took over River City. There are crazy fights, boss fights, and even mini-games in the mix, ranging from a witch battle in the woods to even a dance-off at a Beat Mania-style arcade hub. It's really, really fun. I like the controls. I like how the combat is. Although it can get a bit slow because you are still leveling up your character from level 1 all the way to level 20 to 30. And, and it's also got a really lovely art style and very cool music from composer Megan McDuffie. Mm, Alright, um, this was a Final Fantasy VII game, right? Um, yes, thank you for reminding me. This actually the Crisis Core remaster. It's actually called Crisis Core Final Fantasy VII Re- Reunion. Re- Reunion. I was going to yeah. say Rebirth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, Reunion. So it actually pits the story. Its story is about Zack Fair, who was the first second class soldier before the events of Final Fantasy VII, how he meets up with Cloud, Tifa, how Sephiroth became the bad guy, and all the other soldiers that actually turned evil before he got killed in Final Fantasy VII. So it's like a little prequel story. And the action itself, if you played the PSP version back in 2009-10, you will love the remaster for this game. The remaster is out on PC, Xbox, and PlayStation. It's Really well done. I like the graphics. Um, although you could tell that it's a PSP game because of how the cutscenes and how the loading transitions are. But that's just a minor nitpick. The controls are great. Combat's really fun. In fact, Final Fantasy XV and all the other new real-time action Final Fantasies would not exist without Crisis Core back in the day. So it's great that this game is getting a lot of love and recognition and getting the remaster that's pretty good. So yeah, if you're a fan of Final Fantasy VII, you should dive into Crisis Core, the remastered version. Okay, moving on for next year, January, do you have anything interesting that we we can check out? All right, so games that are coming out on January 2023 would be Persona 3, the remastered version coming out for Xbox and PlayStation and PC, which is great because people need to see how the Persona game turned out because Persona 3 actually introduced the social mechanic dating aspect and the random dungeon generator aspect of things. It actually rebooted the series into what Persona 4 and 5 are. Forspoken is also another game that's coming out on 24th of January. It's an open world action RPG featuring a girl named Frey who has to fight a way... She basically got isekai into this world so she has to escape. So she fights dragons and monsters and whatnot. You've got the Dead Space remake coming out on the 27th of January. It's basically a remake of Dead Space. New graphics, some additions here and there. I believe Isaac Clarke, the main character, can speak a little bit like he did in part two. But it does look promising. I mean, if they're going to modify, if they take elements from part two and part three and put it in part one to make the puzzles a bit more flexible to play around compared to the first game, I think it'll be a good idea to remake the game. And plus, it's one way for them to pay tribute. I mean, if let's say this game is really successful, we might get new Dead Space games, which is great. It's always great. I love the series, so I really hope this turns turns out well. 
And other games include One Piece Odyssey, the JRPG featuring the characters and uh, storylines from the hit manga series One Piece. It's a brand new story from the creator himself with new characters, a new world, a new island, and new adventures. So, should be fun if you're into turn-based combat. Hmm, sounds great. Alright, I think that's all we have for this month. Uh, thank you so much, John. And I guess uh, we'll see you again next year. Alright, thanks for having me and Happy New Year. You're tuning into GG Well Played and that was Jonathan Leo, content director at kakuchopere.com summarizing some of the biggest news and releases in December. Head on over to their website kakuchopere.com to check out more gaming news and reviews. If you'd like to listen to this episode again, look for the podcast on pfm.my. Our app available on the Apple App Store or Google Play. You can also find our podcast on Spotify. Do share your thoughts on the games that you play via our email ggwp at bfm.my. Don't forget to also follow the station on Twitter at bfmradio. My name is Anif Baharudin. Thanks for joining us. Game on and please take care. See you next year. This has been GG Well Played. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.